All right. All right. All right. So at this time, we're going to dismiss our children to Children's Church. And then I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles. We're going to be a, a little quick today. We, we covered a lot of this last week. Uh, we'll review a little bit and then finish the end of it. Um, Pastor Sean's going to come back and preach here in just a little bit. Um, praise God. Amen. It's been enjoyable being before y'all week after week. Amen. Man. <laughs> right. I'll be back in December. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> no, I do. I, I enjoy preaching. Uh, I do. Uh, you know, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm a learner, too. And so when I hear other people preach, I actually learn that way. Uh, I'm an auditory learner. And so if I'm hearing somebody preach something, uh, some of my best study weeks are when I hear somebody preach a good message. And then I take that message and go uh, dissect it and, and do, go through it on that week. And so uh, I hope you're being blessed by this uh, teaching. Um, you know, sometimes it's, 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 it's a little frustrating to me sometimes because a lot of times it feels like what I want to say to you, I don't always get out. Uh, but praise the Lord, if you're being blessed by it, then we're all right. Amen. All right. So let's, we're going to continue talking from the subject, faith is based on knowledge. And how many of you, how many of you kind of got a revelation of that last week as we were talking about that? Amen. That really, when we talk about faith, that faith is corresponding action, but it's corresponding action based on the fact that we know who's giving the instruction. Amen. It's like one of those things that uh, if you've ever worked with someone who has done something successfully, like, for instance, how many of you know that, that Ralph can build stuff, right? Ralph can build, even stuff he ain't never built before, Ralph can build stuff. And so if I'm going to take instructions from Ralph about how to build something, my confidence is probably going to be more so than if I took instructions from somebody who, who either has built something and it wasn't successful or someone who doesn't have a track record of building something. How many know God's got a track record of being faithful? And so because God has a track record of being faithful, then it, is, it ought to be easy for me then to follow his instruction because, in fact, he's he batting a thousand percent. Amen. He's never failed. And so because he's never failed, I don't have to be afraid if I really know him and I know about him and who he is. I don't have to be afraid when he tells me to do something because I know his track record says if I do it, it'll succeed. Amen. Because how many of you know stars don't fall out the sky? How many of you know the sun don't just be popping all around the universe? How many of you know that daytime and nighttime is predictable because God is predictable? Amen. In fact, we, can, we, 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 know, we know when the tide is coming in based on the fact that God is so consistent. And so the reality of it is, is that how do we so many times often put our trust in something that's inconsistent but won't trust a consistent God. Tell your neighbor, say, my faith, my faith is based on knowledge. So last week we read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, where it said, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our, and of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And we talked about that last week, how when he says all things that pertain to life and godliness, that really is, although it's all-inclusive, it's very specific. Because what Kedron may need for life and godliness may not be the same thing that Chris needs for life and godliness. But God in his infinite wisdom knows us so intimately that when we were created, he formed everything that each individual one of us would need. Amen? And the Bible says that he gave that through us, and the way we get access through it is not by necessarily some, some human effort. It's not by networking. It's not how much education you get. And don't get me wrong, education is important, but you can get as many degrees as you want and still not know how to get out of certain situations. And so he says, faith then is based on the knowledge of me. He said, the way you access this all things that pertain to life and godliness is through the knowledge of who I am. He said, and because of this knowledge, it causes glory and virtue to come into your life. It says, whereby we are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. And I like when he uses the word promises because if you know, when, we, when Pastor Sean was teaching months ago, maybe even a year or so ago, she spent quite a few Sundays talking about how we receive the promises of God. Now, you ought to know the answer to this question. It's like one of those things where if you've been in class any length of time and you've been listening any length of time, you should be able to answer this. How do we receive the promises of God? Through faith. All the promises of God are received how? 
by faith. In the faith that we have, we have to have the knowledge of him. I like what Nietzsche said when she was doing confessions. She talked about the story when Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to meet you on the other side. Now notice, what did he say? He said, I'm going to meet you where? On the other side, which is the indication then that God was going to be on the other side and the expectation was that they was going to make it. To the other side. Now notice, he didn't even deal with what was going to happen in between because what goes on in between really is of no consequence to you. See, t- take your neighbor say, neighbor, when God makes you a promise, he's not concerned about the in-between because he already knows the final outcome. And that's how you got to be. That's how you got to be. When God gives you an instruction, when God speaks to you, when God gives a word with you, when God shares a promise with you, you don't have to be focused on, oh, my God, how am I going to get through this? All you got to know is I'm going to get through this because the promise was he's going to see me on the other side. So he says, whereby are we are we given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world through lust. And I like this last part. We didn't really talk about this a lot last week, but it says having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Here, sometimes we think about this this word lust as being um, negative things. And in, in, in most contexts it is, but another word for this, if you look it up in your, in your uh, concordance, another word for that lust is passions. He says, he says, having escaped the corruption of this world through passion. And, and, and if you're not careful, you can be passionate towards something, and it'll draw you to it, even if the Lord's telling you, I want you to have it, but not that way. So so you have to be careful because there are times that you and God got the same idea about what you should have. The problem is the way you think you ought to go about it is different than the way he thinks you ought to go about it. And so what happens is you start using your human faith, your human efforts to get you in that direction as opposed to doing it God's way. Tell your neighbor, say, I only want what God has the way he wants me to have it. Oh, you ought to give God some praise for that. There are some things that should not direct your attention if the Lord say don't do it that way. There are, just so, there are some things you ought to be able to say no to, even if you heard the Lord say it was yours. But if he, just, if he says that's not the way I want you to have it, you ought to see it as though he said it ain't yours. So, so it's important for us to understand that we must get the knowledge of God. It's not enough just to hear God's voice. Because if you just hear God's voice then you can allow the enemy to cause you to go in a direction God never had for you. For instance, if God says, hey, I want you to get a new job, but you don't know how he wants you to get the new job. You don't know where he wants you to get the new job. You heard his voice, but now you have left human effort into the equation. And anytime you begin to mix human effort into the equation with God, you always end up with a counterfeit. You always end up with something that doesn't, it, it, it may look like what God said, but it's not what God said. So the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, how to fix this. It says in Romans 10 and 17, it says our faith comes by what? Hearing and by hearing what? The word of God. So a lot of times in our lives, if you hear that you're supposed to do something, I tell people all the time, whatever you're being asked to do, in principle, all align up with the word of God. In principle. All align up with the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's not God because God has the inability to go against his own word. God has, for, for instance, if God says, I want you to be debt free, and you say, oh, I can be debt free, all I got to do is put down, I got two extra kids on my income tax. That don't line up with the word of God. Why? Because that's lying, and lying doesn't line up with the word. So if you so now I use an extreme example, but literally you can get very you can get into the minutia of that. What is God telling you to do, and does it line up with the principle of His Word? Are you going to have to be are you going to have to cheat somebody to do it? Are you going to have to be dishonest to do it? Are you going to have to have a hardened heart to do it? Are you going to have to not show love to do it? Are you going to have to step outside of the fruit of the Spirit in any way in order to accomplish this goal? If so, it doesn't line up with the principle of what God is telling us to do. Our faith comes through hearing of his word. 
And, and, and then we talked about last week about this, about carnal knowledge. When we talk about the knowledge of him, I think it's important that we also understand that when we talk about the knowledge of God, we're not just talking about information. Because how many know you can be bombarded with information? You can have lots of information, but information doesn't always equate to knowledge. Because you can, you can know information about something and not know how to apply it. And if you can't apply it, then it's not really knowledge, it's just information. So we don't want you to just know that God is real. We want you to know why God is real. We don't want you to know that God is a healer. We want you to know why God is a healer. And we talked about last week about there's nothing that replaces personal experience. Nothing can replace a personal experience. Listen, there are times, and you know it in your life, you can have a debate with somebody about a particular topic, and it don't matter what they say, you're not going to be moved because you already had a different experience. It, it don't matter what they say. It don't matter, especially if you ever get into Facebook debates. People can be talking about whatever they want to talk about. It don't matter what they say. You ain't going to be moved because you already have an experience. You can tell me all day racism doesn't exist. I already got a personal experience. You cannot convince me that it doesn't. So when you have a personal experience about something, you can't be moved. That's why God says we got to get to know him. Because when you get to know him, that you can't be moved. I submit to you the disciples had information about Jesus. They, had a, they, they knew he was Messiah. They didn't know he was their Messiah. And, and in fact, we know that because when they first met Jesus, they kept talking about, okay, when are you going to tear down this temple and bring it back up again? Because they, they thought he was talking about a physical temple. The reality is that they had information, but they didn't know him. Because if they had known him, they never would have freaked out when the storm came. You got to ask yourself, how do you respond in the storm? Because how you respond in the storm determines whether you know him or not. If you freak out in the storm, if you woe is me, if you crying, if you throwing stuff overboard like they was doing, then you don't know him. And it don't mean that you can't get to know him, but sometimes you have to face reality and say, hey, here's where I am. And where I am in my life right now is as long as things are good, me and God is cool. I believe he exists. He walking with me and everything is fine. But if I lose my job, I don't know where God done went. If I get a bad report from the doctor, oh, my God, I don't know where God is. He's the same place he's always been. God is not concerned about the storm because he's bigger than the storm. So you have to learn to ask yourself, how do I respond in the storm? How do I respond in times of difficulty? Because however you respond in times of difficulty tells you about your relationship with God. We talked last week about this word abiding. We said that we have to abide in the word. We have to abide in Christ. That word abide means to stay put. It means to be planted. It means not to be moved. It means that, 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 that we are to, to stand. I think the words we let's say last year, they were, they were durable, everlasting, perpetual, eternal, unending, constant, permanent, unchanging, steadfast, and immutable. It's like a tree. How many know trees don't just hop around because they want to? Wherever you plant a tree, that's where that tree's going to be, Right? You're not going to come home tomorrow and the tree going to be in the backyard. Somebody was more shade back here. I didn't want to be in the front. It's going to be wherever you planted it. God says, I need you to be like a tree. The Old Testament talks about being a tree planted by the rivers of living water. And now, 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 when you, when, we, we said that so much in church. I don't think we ever really thought about what that really meant. What it really meant was it, it gave a picture of a tree being planted by the stream that never ends. So when everything else in the desert realm was all burnt up, dried up, and dead, it still had green leaves on it. That is the picture that God is giving to us. He says, when you know me and when we are one together, it doesn't matter what the rest of the world looks like. You will always be flourishing. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, the knowledge of God will cause you to prosper even in a down economy. Oh, I wish I had three folk who believed that. I wish I had three folk who believed that. That even in a bad situation, your knowledge of God will cause you to prosper. It'll cause you to flourish. It'll cause you to be steadfast and unmovable. Amen? In Ephesians 2, uh, verse 8, Paul said this. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God. It is God's grace that saves us, but not his grace alone. 
For if it were so, then everyone would be saved because God's grace came to all men, according to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. We all have received grace, but that grace doesn't get activated in our life until we exhibit faith. But watch the connection here. When we talk about exhibiting faith, when we really exhibit faith, what we really do is acknowledge who God is. Everybody who's ever been saved came to a revelation, Jesus can save me from my sins. And once you got that knowledge, your faith kicked in and connected you to the grace that was already available. That is how it happens for every promise. We, we really could stop right now. That's how it happens for every promise. You realize the promise that has been made belongs to you. You realize that the person who made the promise has the ability to give the gift. Once you believe it, then you can, that, that's all you got to do. Now you connect it with the grace, which is God's power to already provide what he's already done. And so it doesn't matter whether you need healing in your life, whether you need restoration in your life, whether you need financial impact in your life, vocational impact in your life, whatever you need, the first step is to believe that the person who can give it to you has given it to you. The person who can give it to you has given it to you. Tell your neighbor, say, I believe. I receive all the promises of God. Now, why is that important? Because when we go to Romans, Romans chapter 4, verse 17 tells us this. It says, we are to call those things which be not as though they were. To a person on the outside, that seems silly. You mean to tell me that you are $100,000 in debt, but you're going to say out of your mouth you're debt free? Or you just signed a mortgage on a home, and you mean you're going to make a confession your house paid off? You mean to tell me you got a 70-month loan on your car, and you telling me right now today that you believe that your car is paid off? That's exactly what I'm going to tell you. Because the Bible tells us that God uses the things uh, of, of, of the world. It, it confounds those who think they're wise. It, they, they think they're wise, but they're really not that wise because they don't know the ways of God. They know the ways of the world, but not the ways of God. Why is it important to make those kind of confessions? Because the Bible says, for as a man thinketh in his heart... So we see, you don't become what, what, you don't, you're not what happens, you, you are, and that's the reason it happens. He says, whatever you believe in your heart, that's what you will become. And then the Bible says this, it says, if your heart be full, if your, if your heart be full, whatever your heart's full of, then your mouth is going to speak. You can, you can, you can guide your life based on what you say in pressure situations. What do you say when the pressure is on? Because whatever you say when the pressure is on is what you really believe. That's why you can always tell folk who don't curse. Because in pressure, they won't curse. That's a different in, in besides people who exhibit self-control not to curse. Because people who exhibit self-control not to curse, it depends on the amount of pressure for what you're going to get. Now, some folks, it's like lifting weights. If you lift weights long enough, you built your muscles up stronger. Jimmy can lift more than probably all of us in here. He spent time developing his muscles, right? Some of us, we ain't worked out in a long time, so just a little pressure would get you a whole verbal assault. But some of us, we've been working on it, so you got to really push us. But everybody's got their pushing point unless you don't curse. Everybody's got their limit unless you don't curse. Because what is in you will absolutely come out of you. So Romans says we have to call those things that be not as though they were. Because what happens is the more we call it, even though it's not, it gets built up in our heart. 
And then when it gets built up in our heart, then we say it out of our mouth when pressure comes. And when pressure comes and you say the right thing, manifestation always follows. Because the devil's job is to apply pressure so that he can get you to forfeit what it is you say you believe. Think about this. I tell people this all the time, and, I, and I, I believe this in my heart. A man and a woman can live together for 10 years and not be married. It, old folks call it shack. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Folk can shack for 10 years. Relationship be great. Decide they're going to get married and all hell break loose. Why? Because the devil doesn't like the institution of marriage because it was ordained by God. Shacking ain't against God's principle. So he's like, I don't care what you do, just don't you get married. Because when you get married, and we've seen it, we've seen people literally who live together 10, 5, 10, 15 years get married and be divorced in three. It's like, what happened? Because the devil does not like the idea that you are trying to live out a principle. Because he understands that if you can live out one principle, you can live out another. And if you can live out another, you can live out another. And if you can live out another, you can live out another. And before you know it, you get to live in all these principles. You get to live in all of these great things. And now what he used to could do to you, he can't do to you no more. Take your name and say, my faith comes from knowledge. And then last week we talked over there in Genesis when we talked about the fact that when you believe God, God doesn't even need a source to do what he needs to do for you. We went to Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. And when we went to Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, we read in Genesis what the Lord said in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. It says he created light on the first day. The first day he created light. But then you got to read another 10 verses over before you ever find out he ever created the sun. Before he ever created the moon. He said, I don't need a source. When I need something in your life, I just make it happen. I don't know about you, but that is revelatory for me. Sometimes I'm waiting on the right situation. I'm waiting on the right predicament to happen. God, like, I don't need all that. I just need you to believe I am the source that you're looking for. You know, it's so funny because when you read that, I read it several different times. I read it out of several translations. I was like, maybe that's just wrong. Maybe it didn't happen like that. But it don't matter how many different versions you read, it happened the same way every time. He created light and there was no light. And he didn't create light. Watch this. He didn't create light and then light like flickered. Like, I don't know why I'm supposed to be here. Light stood. It said, I, I'm standing because he told me to shine. So I'm going to create light. It wasn't until the sun showed up, and he was like, oh, that's where I'm supposed to be. He backed up into the sun. But before that, he stood because God told him to. And there are some times that God will call you to do something. He'll cause you to stand on your own until everybody else who's supposed to be with you shows up. So we just got to understand that this, this revelation knowledge of this faith, it comes from God. So why is it important to know the difference between human faith and the God kind of faith? We talked about the human faith is the fact that if I come over here and I turn around, I sit in this chair with all of my weight. Why? Because I have a history of knowing that chairs that have four legs will support me. And sometimes what happens is we judge God by our human faith. If you, if you grew up with parents or family members who always took care of you, it's easy for you to translate that into seeing God as a person who will always take care of you. But if you grew up having to take care of adults, if you grew up having to be the adult while the adult was not the adult, if you grew up in a situation where you had to fend for yourself and care for yourself, if you spent your life growing up where people took advantage of you and hurt you and harmed you, it's really difficult unless you get to know God to translate that into God going to be taking care of you. If you didn't grow up with a daddy and you didn't know how to relate to a daddy and now people say God is your daddy, then you expect God to leave you just like your daddy did. So what happens is, is we have a whole lot of situations where people don't know how to appropriate properly with God because we're so used to using our human faith. But if you get to know God in the same way that there have been people I've had an opportunity to father in my life 
who they know right now, if they ask me for something, they can get all I got. That, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't get that just because they spent a weekend with me. They didn't get that because they just talked to me on Sunday. They didn't just get that because they just hung around a little bit. That became as a part of an intimate relationship. And when you have an intimate relationship with God, you can get to the place where you go, I don't know how everybody else act, but this dude, he with me. This guy, he don't leave me. This guy, he don't trip when I'm in trouble. This guy, when I mess up, he don't judge me like everybody else judged me. He just keep loving me. But that only comes by spending time. I never forget when I got to the place in my life where I said, you know what? I don't know why it is. I'm trying to act like God don't know how jacked up I am. Some people still doing that. You, you act like God don't know all your issues. So you approach God like you hiding something. Like he don't already know you jacked up. He like, if you would admit that you was jacked up, I can help get you unjacked. So the knowledge of God produces faith, but it will also produce a, a revelation for you. It will also produce for you this idea that you could be free. The knowledge of God produces freedom. It's why it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why? Because they know now I am free. You cannot have human faith in place of the God kind of faith. Because you cannot, the Bible says this in Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve two masters. And then James backs it up in James 1, 7, and 8 when he says this, a double-minded man is what? Unstable in what? all of his ways and then I like what he said he said and let him not think he said don't fool yourself if you're double-minded you ain't getting nothing from the Lord <laughs> that's what he said. he said let him not think he received anything of God he says it like this if you are double-minded don't think you're getting nothing you're not getting anything from the Lord not because the Lord doesn't want to give it to you he doesn't know what you want do you really want to die do you really want to live do you really want to be rich? Do you really want to be sick? Which one are you really saying? Because you're saying both of them, and all I know is that bitter and sweet all not come from the same fountain. So, so you got to be consistent in what you say and what you believe so that you can receive it. Matthew 6, gives us the promise that if the eye is single, that we will be full of light. That means that if all of your attention is focused on God through his word, then the only thing that you will be full of is God and what his word produces. He says, if the eye be single, if your fo it's, it's, it's like we tell people, sometimes in relationships, people think the grass is greener on the other side. We tell people all the time, if you fertilize your grass, it'll be green too. You spend some time getting the weeds out of your yard, it'll be green too. You spend some time replanting the things you're tore up in your yard, it'll be green too. If your eye be single, the problem is most of us got multiple eyes. And we got multiple eyes based on how we feel. We got multiple eyes based on what somebody says. We got multiple eyes based on the day. And the problem is, is that if you're like that, then you can't be full of God's word. You can only be full if you are single of focus. Imagine if you had 100 glasses and one picture, 100 eight-ounce glasses in one picture, and you took that glass and you just walked down real quick on all of them. It's going to take you so long to get all those glasses full. But if you had that picture and you just focused on that one glass on the end and you just filled it up, imagine how fast you could fill those eight ounces. A lot of us, we got thousands of glasses. And we're trying to get God and, 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 and Van Zandt and, and everybody else to fill everything we got. Anybody we can find, we're trying to get them to fill glasses. He said, stop, he said, stop doing all of that. Stop doing all that. Every time you hear some new wave, you ain't got to jump onto it. Ask me how to do it. He said, be single of focus. And if you be single of focus, he says, everything in your life will line up. This is a Bible law that's actually repeated in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, which tells us, it says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now think about that. He says to be carnally minded. In other words, to have a human focus 
on everything that you're doing. That's the reason why even when, when Sertrick is talking about money, we tell you, you need to do the natural things. But if all you rely on is the natural things, that's as high as you're going to be able to live. So there are natural principles and spiritual principles. And the Bible says that those spiritual principles lead to life and peace. That word peace means what? Nothing missing and nothing broken. And so he says we got to make sure that when, that when God is talking to us, we're not trying to appropriate what the Spirit is saying based on our human knowledge. You cannot have life and peace without the knowledge of God. On the other hand, you cannot experience any form of death without the knowledge of the devil and his system. Literally, God says if you trust in me, there will be no death spiritually in your life. Amen? The carnal knowledge that we, do, that we dwell upon in our thought lives is Satan's inroads to us. The only way, and I've said this many, many times, it feels redundant, but the only way that Satan has access to your life is through your thinking. It, it, re it really, listen, if the devil could come in here and wrap us all up and, 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 and wire and, and bound us and everything, he'd already do it. But he can't. The only access he has to you is through your thinking. Now, the access to your thinking comes in a myriad of ways. For instance, Television, radio, magazine, your friends. Because just because they're your friend don't mean they're your wise friend. You got to know the difference in a friend you can love on and a friend you can take advice from. Them are not always the same. And so you've you, you got to make sure that you're not allowing this carnality to creep into your life. Because if you do, it is Satan's inroad to you. Because now, if he can deal with your thinking, he can deal with the fact that he can get you to question God. I am convinced that one of the main reasons that the first men that walked upon this earth lived so long is because it took them years to learn how to die. You, you, you read the Bible, th there was nothing about death in it. So folk lived 900 years. They had babies at 100. I mean, they, they lived, they lived, and now you, you read it, you, you go through the genealogy of the Bible, 990 years, 970 years, 980 years, 800, 700, 600, and then and finally they start dying about 500. You, you get down to Abraham and Sarah, and folk thought they was old when they was, when, when they was well in their hundreds, still having kids. Now, the life expectancy in the United States of America. <laughs> and if you're a black man and you make 50, you old. Between heart disease, police disease. <laughs> Listen, if you make 50, you're doing something. But now the Bible tells us what we ought to at least expect. It said that we ought to at least, at least be expecting 70. It says, and if, and if you live well, you ought, you ought to get you another 20 in there. But, but the reality of it is, is that we don't even, there was a guy, the guy who played on True Blue. 39 years old. Heart failure. 39 years old. 39 years old. Some of y'all 39. Some of y'all older than 39. Listen, when I tell you that I believe everything within me that we are a product of our environment, we are. I believe that we can so know God that we can get to the place where we don't die before we're 100. And, and watch this. I'm going to be real extreme. I don't think you got to die of a sickness. Who says you got to die of a sickness? Who says you got to die of a disease? You can literally, you can decide, all right, this is my day. I'm going to eat breakfast, and I'm going to have my favorite lunch. I'm going to skip dinner because I'm going to be in glory by 630. And you can go home and meet the Lord. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to spend 10 years in the hospital. I don't know about you. I don't want my testimony to be like, woo, he finally went on. He out of pain now. That, I, I don't like when people say that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, she was sick for the last 10 years. It's like that ought not be the, the, the testimony that now you finally dead and you ain't got to be in pain no more. But if we don't know better, we don't live better. Amen? When we know better, we can live better. 
Hebrews 11 and 15 says that if Abraham had been mindful of the country that he came out of, he might have had opportunity or might have been tempted to have returned. Sometimes you got to be careful that you don't find yourselves in situations that God has delivered you from, and now you take an opportunity to look back and go, well, maybe I should have been back where I was. Don't get trapped in the middle. If you know that God is restoring or healing something, whatever that situation may be, finances, relationship, your mind, whatever it is, there are going to be bumps in the road. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you are human. Therefore, there will be bumps in the road. But don't get distracted by the bumps. I used to say this to people all the time. The worst thing you can do is to be in faith and quit in the middle of a faith process. Because here's what happens. If you start off believing God and you make it halfway through, but it gets difficult for you and you return back here, the next time you decide to, to believe God, it's not just you walking, it's you and the first doubt. So now you're way down this next time. And let's say you make it a little further, but you give up. And now you come back over here again. So now this time, it's not just you and the first doubt. It's you, the first doubt, the second doubt, and all the people who said, well, what about last time? Once you are in the middle of the fight, you might as well just keep fighting. You might as well just keep going, no matter how long it takes you to get through, because it's going to be better for you to get through than to have to start over. And I don't care what situation that is. That's what Jesus was trying to get the disciples to see in the story you were talking about. I remember there's another story that says they were, they were on the water. It said Jesus was in the bottom of the ship. He was asleep on a pillow. And they said that the winds were blowing. The waves were crashing. They was throwing stuff overboard. They didn't know what they was going to do. And then somebody said, man, Jesus just down there asleep. Because they didn't say, that our Jesus sleepeth in the bottom of the boat. This. they like, how he going to be asleep? And we about to die. In fact, you know that's what they said because the scripture actually says, they went to him and said, Master, do you not care that we perish? Jesus didn't even think about perishing because death and perishing wasn't a part of his DNA. You have been born again. When bad situations come, perishing and death is not in your DNA. Not when you know who he is because you are a child of El Elyon, the most high God. So if, there, so if there is no death and perishing in him, there is no death and perishing in you. They said, Master, doest thou not carest that we perish? Do you not care that we about to die? And Jesus, he woke Jesus out of sleep. He was probably sleeping good too. And Jesus was 100% God, but he was 100% man. And as 100% man, he didn't like being woke up. So they wake Jesus up, and Jesus says to them, he says, oh, ye of little faith. He like, y'all done threw the supplies overboard? What y'all gonna eat now? Y'all done threw Daniel overboard? Why, why you throw him overboard? Because the Bible, the, the, Bible the Bible says they threw things in me, and they drew lots. They drew lots to see who was going to get thrown over. So they're throwing people overboard. They're throwing supplies overboard. Jesus says, what are y'all doing? He says, all you have to do is speak to the wind. He said, wind, be still. See, be still. And then he began to teach them and say, what? He basically was saying, what's wrong with y'all? He said, y'all been with me all this time. You don't, you, you see me perform miracles, you see me heal people, you get to ask me questions, and you still don't know me. How long are you going to see God do stuff in other folk life? How long are you going to see God do something in your life but still not know him? When you know God, you don't freak out when situations come that you didn't count on. 
You got to know, in any fight, you're going to get hit one time. You're you going to get hit. Most, and, and, unless you got that one hit or quitter, if you get into a real fight, you're going to get hit. Here's what Mike Tyson said. No, 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 no. This is, this is, here's what Mike Tyson said. He said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. No, that, that, that's, a, that's a direct quote, and it's so true. Everybody talk about, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, until you get punched in the face. And then when you get punched in the face, you can't even think straight. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Not that y'all have done it, but you've done it. You, you see them fight videos. And when you watch them fight videos, you're like, why are they crawling on the ground? Because when you get punched in the face, you don't know what you're going to do. That's the devil's job to sucker punch you in the face so that you don't know what you're going to do. But when you know your God, when you know your God, even when you get hit, you can still hear his voice. Uh, Pastor and I, we watch movies, right? And, and, and this is one movie that we watch, and she really loves it. It's got J-Lo in it, and I don't know the name of it, but it's when her husband is, is an abuser. Enough, enough. Whoa, 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 watch this, watch this. What did he tell her in enough? He says... He is going to kick you when you're down. He said, but hang on to my voice. Why did he tell her that? Because he didn't want her to panic and to freak out. He knew the dude was stronger. He knew it was going to be an opportunity to even after, even after everything he had told her. She was going to get punched in the face. <laughs> she was going to get a sucker punch. And when she did, she was going to go down. He said, and because he's a coward, He's going to kick you when you're down. He said, but when you are down, I want you to hold on to my voice. I'm telling you that when you are in the midst of a storm or when you find yourself down, you better hold on to his voice. Because if you can hold on to his voice, it doesn't matter what else is going on around you. You can hear clearly. You can get direction. And he told her, he said, he's going to kick you. And when he goes to kick you, you grab his foot. Lip him over, do what all the other stuff he told him to do. Listen, if you are listening to God, you can do all that stuff he's telling you to do. But you got to learn to listen to his voice. You can't be laying on the ground talking, oh, my God, I don't know how I got down here. <laughs> See, some of y'all ain't been into a fight. But if you ever fought somebody, listen, your mind is racing. Even though things look like it's in slow motion, your mind is going 100 miles an hour. You got to be able to center yourself. And when things are going crazy all around you, you got to be able to center yourself. When you get a bad doctor's report, you got to be able to center yourself. When something happens in your relationship that you weren't planning on and it blows everything up, you got to be able to center yourself. When you lose a job and you had no idea that it was going to happen, you got to be able to center yourself. Because if you can center yourself, you can hear what God is saying in the storm. And if you do, you won't throw everything overboard trying to save yourself through human knowledge. I can't tell the number. I, I, a guy sent me this long message. Pastor Sean read it the other day. Years ago, I preached out in D.C. And when I got through preaching, it was a marriage conference. He, he, had, brought, he had brought his um, divorce papers to the marriage conference. Now, 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 do you, now, now, do you understand? That means he had already been to an attorney. He had his papers. He was like, if I don't get a word at this conference, she getting these papers. And he, and, he, and, he, and he tore up. After the conference, he came up, he talked to me and everything. And, and, I, and, and later on, he sent me a message you know, and, and told me that basically he had tore up the divorce papers and him and his wife were going to stay together. Amen, somebody. Mm -hmm. But just because you make a decision doesn't mean storms won't come. And enough storms came that 13 years later they got a divorce. Now, I'm not judging their divorce. So I believe that sometimes you just married, a, sometimes the first person you married just the wrong person. We know somebody who got married, got divorced, got remarried, and they've been married 30-something years. Sometimes it's just the wrong person. But I also know that there are times that if you don't understand that the storms won't stop coming, you think because you got a second wave of a storm that it's time to give up. 
that you got a third wave, it's time to give up. That you got a fourth. The fact that the devil keep coming after you, though, ought to be indication to let you know that you are on the right track. You cannot get out of one battle and then think because you got out of one battle, now everything going to be smooth sailing. The same God that got you out of the first battle will be the same God that will get you out the second battle, in the third battle, in the fourth battle, in the fifth battle, in every other battle you come through. You have to have that kind of fortitude. You cannot become weary in your well-doing. Because if you become weary in your well-doing, then you'll find yourself giving in, caving in, and quitting. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, one of, my, one of my favorite scriptures, one of Pastor John's favorite scriptures, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you, not God, but that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Our minds have to be renewed, and that is done by meditating on the knowledge of who God is. If you will spend time meditating on who God is in your life, I promise you, the things that used to plague you, the things that used to pull you down, you will find them being less and less destructive in your life. You know, there are some things that God has promised me. And I was even thinking about them this week. So when they started singing that song, uh, uh, and, and Chris started ad-libbing in that song, and, 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 and they just started talking about how, how, how God was going to, do all these things for us. I mean, it just, it, it made me swell up on the inside because I had to remember, you know what? Even though it may not be happening as fast as I want, that promise is still there. It's still working for me. It's still working. And, and then she said, sometimes you can't see it. I was like, yeah, I can't see it. He's like, but it's still working. It's still working. And, 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 I, and I know you said, well, I come to church week after week. You know, I do this, I do that. I don't see it. It is still working. It is still working, and it's working for you. Amen? And so you just got to make sure that you are dealing with the things in your life that will cause you not to know God. I want to end with this. There's a, a, a prayer that I wanted to pray over you this morning. It comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. And I, I want this to be our prayer for this week and next week. As you know, we don't have service next week. Uh, there is no service next week. We'll make sure we put in a group for the people who aren't here today. There's no service next week. But I want you to meditate this week and all of next week. And I want you to think about, you know, Chris, it's so funny how I don't ever share with them what I'm going to talk about. Not that I, I mean, we just don't talk about it. But when she started talking about those walls, she started talking about pushing things back. Those were the things that are in this prayer that I wrote almost three weeks ago. And I didn't get to it that first week. We, we, we just had a high time. We was over there. I didn't get to it last week. But the week that she comes and sings about it, now I'm going to share it. And that's how God is. God doesn't need us to play anything out. He just needs us to follow his leading. And so I want to read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. And I want you to hear the words that are, that are written here by the Apostle Paul. And though he wrote this to the church of Ephesus, it is apropos for us today. I want you to hear it. I want you to receive the knowledge of God from it. I want you to believe that, that you receive when you hear it. And I want you to watch your faith begin to grow and produce in your life. I decree and declare that everything that the people of FOC are believing for, they're going to see it with their natural eyes. Not, not just see it in the spirit. With your natural eyes, you're going to behold it. And so the Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all the saints, he said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And you may not realize this, but Pastor Sean and I, we do. We pray for you. We, some, there are days that we call individual names. There are days that we, we call certain families. There are days that, that, that we, we pray collectively. But we are praying for you. 
We love you guys, and we want to see you live your best life. Listen, the best testimony for us is for you to live your best life. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That is our prayer, that God will open up your eyes and flood you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The spirit of wisdom, if you study that out, it's one of the facets of the anointing. It's one of the seven facets of the anointing. What is the spirit of wisdom? It's the ability to make decisions in crucial situations. And we pray that that spirit of wisdom rest upon your life and that you receive a revelation knowledge of who he is. He says that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? We want you to know that when you believe, there is an awesome power that rests on your life. The Greek word is dudamus. That there is dudamus on your life. There is, there, is, there is power beyond belief in your life. It says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Set him far above principalities and power and might, above dominion, above every name that is ever named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things, hear this, all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fulfilleth all things. When you get the knowledge of God in your life, it will fulfill all things. Not information about him, but the knowledge of who he is. A personal experience of who God is. It will indeed cause you to live a life higher than you've ever imagined. And so this morning I pray that you'll hear those words, you'll receive those words, and that as you're with your families on this week and next week, that you will think about how important it is for you to do whatever you have to do to eliminate those roadblocks in your life that stop you from, from unbelieving. It may be that you have to stop sharing everything the Lord's going to do with you with everybody. I'm a big fan of proclaiming it, but I'm also a big fan of protecting the vision. And sometimes you got to ask God, okay, who should I share this vision with? And just because you laugh together, and just because you break bread together doesn't necessarily mean they can handle what, what, what you're saying God's going to do for you. I say all the time, I don't have any haters, I just have fans. And so you don't have to worry about folks hating on you because sooner or later they'll become a fan because they'll want to know what did God do? How did God do? And then you get an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus, amen? And so I appreciate each of you, Pastor Young. Do you want to come?